Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis. Joining, no, or not joining me this week is Brenna Calvert. However, it is a full line. I do have my entire terrain race relay team on the line. Um, this episode is brought to you by Synergy Sports. Synergy Sports makes OCR products like climbing, uh, like rig grips. They make uh, a floating pegboard type thing. And they make a bunch of other uh, contraptions you can put on your house and one even that attaches to the tailgate of your car, so you can turn your car into a mobile OCR gym, or actually rather be a truck. So you turn your truck into a mobile OCR gym. So uh, check them out, uh, www.synergysports.com. They're made by the same guy, Rob Butler, who owns Shell Hill, the permanent OCR facility in Vermont. Uh, so first up, we got uh, Miles Keller, who joined me previously, uh, co-host of Link Endurance. Miles? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me back. I think I'm going to try to be like a, a MVP on the Strength and Speed podcast and see how many times I get back on your, uh, your podcast. You're the first reoccurring guest, so uh, you get credit there. i got I got to hold the record, man. I'm going for more. I love talking to you. You and me just have a real good organic conversation about OCR. Yeah, we had some good ones in the car driving uh, back from Terrain Relay. We probably should have recorded a couple of those. Yeah, we went on and on literally for hours. You guys missed it. Well, anytime you get, like, OCR fanatics like you and me together in the same spot, we're just going to go on and on and on about all of our thoughts and beliefs and everything we think during the day at work that we can tell no one else because nobody else cares about OCR that we work with. (laughs) Absolutely. I get tired of explaining what OCR is. Uh, It's basically a weekly occurrence. I have to explain it. You're like, have you heard of Spartan? Have you heard of Tough Mudder? And then I kind of go from there, so... Um, and then you have to explain, like, like I run competitively. I don't just run to, you know, finish, basically. So that's a, that's always a challenge. Last week, tell me, oh, is it, uh, it's like one of those color runs, right? Oh, my Where God, they, I, I lose my shit. Tough? I was like, oh, God, like, I'm used to people saying, oh, like a tough mutter. I'm, I'm used to that, but when this is a color run, I just shook my head and I was like, yeah, sure, it's like that, but with obstacles, so it's like walls you have to jump over, barbed wire you have to crawl under. <laughs> just, at one point, you're just like, they're not going to get it. All right, so let's, uh, before the two of us just run our mouths, let's introduce the rest of the team. So we also have uh, Ryan Owen on the podcast. He's uh, he's our 18-year-old, our, our young buck on the team, and was our strength specialist at Terrain Relay. He's uh, also podiumed at Terrain Race before and Rugged Maniac. Say hi, Ryan. Hey, guys. Good to, good to have you, Ryan. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Good. Uh, and then, what are, you, what are you studying right now, Ryan? Uh, aerospace engineering. Whoa. Nice. So the dude is a beast, and he's smart. <laughs> and our third member of, or correction, our fourth member of the team is Chris Polito. Uh, he was our kind of our floater, did a little bit of every leg of the uh, terrain race relay. Has uh, podiumed at Rugged Maniac before and also did pretty well, I think, 11th overall at a 50K fairly recently. So, Chris, welcome to the show. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me on. 
I'm uh, also a professional color run racer, so I just like to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Also has a great wife, uh, Samantha, who was our pit crew, who took care of us for the entire 24 hours. So big thanks to her. Yeah, she's the real star. Yeah, definitely, and she's at work. (laughs) She kept kept track of our times. She knew when to send us out, and in the middle of the night, we were trying to rest. You know, okay, eight minutes to be at the line before Evan or Chris is back, and Ryan, you got this much time. Without her, man, we would have been a hot mess. Yeah, I think she said she got 20 minutes of sleep for the entire time, and as you guys know, we woke up at like what six or seven on Saturday morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's spot on. All right. So before we go any be- before we go any deeper, let's just cover what the terrain race relay was like. Because uh, for the- there was only uh, about forty teams there, so not that many people experienced experienced it. It was the first terrain relay that they've done. Uh, currently, the only one scheduled for this year, although they said they're going to do another one in Houston. Uh, no date's been published yet. So, uh, Chris, just take us to the, through the general format of how it was set up and uh, kind of how the, you know, kind of broad wave tops of the the event. Yeah, for sure. So, um, none of us really knew what to expect. We had some rules that we got emailed. Um, but basically, we showed up and there was three loops, a technical, a strength, and a speed. The technical was about a mile and a quarter, strength about the same, and then speed, well, ended up being like three miles, I think. And so you had to do all those in order, and that counted as one lap. And then basically the team who had the most laps uh, was the winner. They had three uh, checkpoints for each of those loops. So basically, like Miles was saying, Samantha was basically walking back and forth with us all night and all day to each checkpoint. Um, and keeping track of when each person was going to be back so we could hand off the ever-so-lovely and coveted baton. Get off to Brian, too, because he has to have so far... When he says baton, everyone, it's a wooden stick. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a baton. No. <laughs> he had a fanny pack that we put the stick in that we could just buckle when we ran. So instead of, like, shoving it in our pants and getting splinters there or holding in our hand and getting splinters, we had a nice casing for it. So, big shout-out to Ryan. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, uh, it, was, it wasn't a fanny pack. This isn't, like, 1980. I don't have... <laughs> I don't have, like, loose change and keys in there. It's a spy belt, right? It's an expandable pouch that's made for endurance running, although the size of the baton really, like, stretched the limits of the spy belt. Like, I think we actually ripped it on, on one corner. Um, but... Very unusual uh, timing method. I was expecting more of like a triathlon, uh, you know, like the, the Velcro bracelet or anklet you would wear for triathlon. But they used a baton. I thought it was going to be kind of a pain in the ass. Um, I think for us it ended up not being a big deal because we had that spy belt that we could uh, exchange it with. But I know some of the teams used rope or some people probably carried it. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah, it worked out well actually with that belt. You know, I think, so, what was kind of interesting was there's, you know, different strategy. So, you had four people in three different loops. So, you could change out every loop, or you could have one person run all three loops and then change out. You could, uh, really, like, any combination possible. Um, I think what we did that was a little bit different 
uh, was we primarily had the same person run each loop. Um, so, like, each of us did this essentially the same loop over and over again, and then Chris was kind of our floater who did a little bit of everything. So uh, we'll take you through each loop real quick, and then we'll kind of move on into some other general experiences about the rates. So uh, we ran the first speed loop as a group, and then we passed it off to Miles, and Miles did the technical. So, Miles, kind of take us through what you experienced on the technical loop. Yeah, so I love the technical loop, and I want to start off by saying that I loved our strategy on it because what ended up happening was you were watching your own time on your own loop because you're doing that loop over and over again, and we started competing against ourselves. We were trying to beat our time, and, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, we, we all kind of started lighting up and started running negative splits. It was, it was fantastic. And we also got faster on the handoffs. Before, we were doing as soon as you hand me the belt, I would clip it around my belt and then jump on. The first obstacle that was right there at the transition point was their rig. And they had three different lanes, and nobody in their right mind used the far left or right because they were the harder lanes. The middle lane was just straight cannonballs. There was about four or five of them to a pipe. And you transition the pipe, hit the bell, and run. What we, how we got faster than that was really smart is that when you handed it to me, instead of me taking the time to try and clip it around my waist, I would just bite it. When I put it in my mouth, and then when I got through the rig, I would worry about trying to put it on as I ran away. I think we saved some seconds there, like in the long run. Hey, I forgot to tell you, Miles, I was putting that down my pants, actually. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go in the shower after this and turn <laughs> up the position. Talk about all the spooning that happened in the middle of the night. <laughs> God, that's gross. Now you traumatized me. Alright, anyway, back to the course. So after I put that dirty thing in my mouth and got through the rig and then got down about a I'd say about 400 meters, uh, you came up to their, their traditional wall. It's a, I guess it's about 16 feet, 14 feet, something about that, but it has a, a rope. So you just lean back and climb the rope as you go up. You go over, and then when you go through a little desert running to their their cargo net, that's kind of awkward. You have to traverse a couple beams, and then the cargo net is just on the top. And then it rolls off the end, but it's, it's still suspended. So what made this difficult was that when we had the belt on, it made me pop the belt off with a timing chip. So I had to always be putting my hand behind my back checking for it. But you go right from there, uh, you roll over, and then you go to their Tarzan swing. And I didn't see many people having a problem on Tarzan swing. This one is a little easier than most terrain races. I believe they'll have four ropes that you have to traverse across. This one only had three, and then one of the lanes had two ropes, but they were further apart. So I used those two, and it made less swings and saved time. And then you go from that uh, about another, say, almost 400 meters, you make it down to the cargo net, to their normal cargo net, where big shout out to the the guy who was volunteering, wonderful guy. He was, like, real sprightful and energetic the entire night, rooting us on, man, you guys are doing great. I don't know how you're doing what you're doing. Just really wonderful, man. 
uh, one of the best volunteers I've ever met. He kept us energized all night long. So we, we swing through that, and then you would run past where they have the rope climb closed off, because we, I knew at some point they were going to open that up. Run past that, and then you, that's for a good, that's probably about a half a mile. That part is a good distance run. So where they have their longer cargo net, that's just, uh, it's not high, and there's a balance beam you have to walk up again to a long cargo net, which I finally got a, a good strategy down for. If anyone's interested, just message me, and I'll try and demonstrate the strategy for that cargo net. Because someone told me that David Quesada can run across it. I can't think of, man, how in the world can you run across this? And then I figured it out, and that ended up saving a lot of time, too. Anyways, once you traverse against that, there's a pole you have to slide down. And then you'd run to the final, uh, the final obstacle of the technical loop was their monkey bars suspended over water. And fortunately for me, I'm a little monkey. Flew right through it, no problem. But in the middle of the night where it did get hairy was when they shut off the monkey bars and they wanted you to go through the water. And keep in mind, I realize this is Arizona, and for those of you who've never been to Phoenix or Arizona, it does get cold. <laughs> it ends up in the nighttime in the desert. And so we still had to jump in, and uh, that was cold, but fortunately they did turn the monkey bars back on. So I only got cold once, switched my pants and shoes. Thank God I had a change of everything. And then that's where I would hand it off to Ryan for the strength loop. Yeah, so the, the, ten, the technical loop was a total of 1.25 miles and pretty much had all the obstacles that I would call you know, fun obstacles from OCR, so rigs and nets and monkey bars and all that stuff. Um, I'd say it was taking about, you know, our team between 10 to 12 minutes, depending on uh, which lap, to to do that section. So um, stayed fairly consistent most of the night. Uh, and then so that we passed off to the strength section. So, Ryan, just kind of take us through some of the obstacles on the strength section. And So after Miles handed it to me, he got all the fun obstacles, I think. I don't know. Yeah, but that's true. The strength loop was horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it started getting pretty hairy in the middle of the night. But uh, we'd go through these really tight tubes, which is never fun. It's kind of like, kind of had to bark, like, army crawl through those. And then we went and grabbed a 25-pound wreck bag. Culverts. Huh? No, because the tunnels are culverts. Okay. Oh, yeah. But uh, and then we had to grab these 25-pound wreck bags and run around a barn. I'd say it was probably about 300 yards, two or 300 yards around the barn. About halfway through the night, they changed it, so uh, it was a double wreck bag carry, so you had two 25-pounds, which was, I'd say, more awkward than anything. So after that, you ran around, and you got to the tractor pole, is just a cement block connected to a chain, and you can uh, you have to pull it probably about two or three hundred yards again. And it was there's a lot of techniques for that. I usually just throw throw the chain over my shoulder. That usually works best for me. Uh, after that, we had a tire hockey puck, which I assume a lot of people haven't seen. It's uh, kind of just a little tire, and you would get a sledgehammer. And you have to hit the side of the tire with a sledgehammer and go probably 10 or 15 feet down, 10 or 15 feet back. So it's just got to pound on that and work that one out. It takes a while. 
now, but you know. After that, we had a sandbag carry, and they were at a rodeo ground kind of thing. So there were bleachers, and you'd have to go up up and down both sides of the bleachers. And that definitely got not as fun during the night. And then uh, after that, we had to do 10 cinder block burpees, which uh, it was I believe it was originally 20, but somehow in the first lap, it ended up 10, which was super nice. Yeah, I think the A team, the first team through, only did 10. And then they were like, oh, well, if you did 10, I guess everyone else just do 10, which I think worked out in the favor of everyone. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to thank them on that one because that would have hurt to do 20. But uh, So after the cinder block burpees, we had a yolk, which is kind of like it's a bar that you would put across your back and – on either side of the bar, there would be chains, and they were connected to a tire on either side. So you'd have to throw that on your back, and I think that was probably about two or 300 yards again. Uh, that one, it rubs a lot on your shoulders. So actually, after a couple laps, I put some uh, KT tape on it on my shoulders, and that helped a lot with the rubbing. And after that, we had a tire pull and retrieve and that was it then i handed it off to evan usually for the speed lap yeah so the speed lap was uh three miles total and we had about probably about 10 obstacles they weren't very hard though so it was like going over a pipe one of them was a a balance beam that i thought was fairly wide uh there's a couple of low kind of to medium-sized walls in the middle and then uh the very end actually had three walls so a, a low a medium and a tall wall right before the uh uh low crawl to the finish line. Oh, there was another low crawl in the middle of the course, too. But the kind of the first mile was just straight up running, so I would get to my uh, kind of my cruising aerobic pace during that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of fly through the obstacles. So it didn't, it actually didn't slow me down that much. So I would uh, kind of too, take me around 21 to 25 minutes, depending on the time of day. And uh, they also modified the course in the middle of the night. So there was one... They're calling it a hill, but I would call it – so I'm not from Phoenix, uh, I'm from Tennessee, or I live in Tennessee, so I would call it a p- big pile of dirt. Uh, but they kept calling it a hill um, in the middle of the course, and they actually closed that for part of the night. Uh, but uh, Ryan's section took about 22 minutes, and uh, my section, again, you know, around the same, 22 to 21 to 24. So total, we were running as a team, running about 53, 54-minute laps. So that can kind of give you an idea how much we were actually resting between legs. Um, and then our strategy was pretty simple, right? You you run, you finish your leg, and you go back and eat something immediately afterwards, right? Because your body is hyper-receptive to refilling glycogen and um, stuff like that. So you eat something immediately afterwards and then stay off your feet and try to lay down, maybe get a nap depending on the uh, time of day. Yeah, staying on top of the, the hydration and the glycogen eating fuel fueling and the rehydrating was a huge deal. I think we all did really good on staying on top of that. Like you said, yeah. as soon as we got back, boom, I'm downing electrolytes. I it could I'm better tuned to my body so I can oh, I need a half a sandwich or maybe this time I need a whole sandwich. Maybe I'll have a protein shake this time. And none of us really like cramped up or had any of those problems throughout the night because we had such a good strategy. And such great help, uh, especially from Samantha. I think right around, I think it was about 2 a.m. too, 
um, when I started cracking those Red Bulls, that helped a lot as well to kind of give me like a second wind. <laughs> I re- so I recommend uh, for ultra endurance racing is you know don't start off with caffeine because you don't want because people already have the problem of starting out too fast. So I try to leave caffeine to the second half of the race and preferably like as late as you can go without caffeine is preferable. That way it actually has an effect and, you know, gives you that second wind like you were saying, Chris. Yeah, helped a lot. But if you uh, if you look at the results, we actually stayed pretty consistent through most of the race. Um, you know, we, we ended up doing 26 laps total. Uh, the winner did 27, so we came in second. And our times were... Yeah, at night time, we came within six minutes of, of, ca- of catching them. And then they eventually got their second win, too. But we are really, they saw us starting to gain ground on them, and they, they, they really pushed it into overdrive. We should shout out to the competition, man, the guys who beat us. Uh, Rene uh, Armenta, Erica Kuna, Mike Marosan, and Sean Rogers, man, the, the A-team. Big props to those guys. What amazing athletes. At yeah, one good dudes, time, too. Sean Rogers is doing 18-minute 5K and for the speed part at nighttime, which is absolutely mind-boggling considering the terrain. And then, of course, third in the third place position was Lachey Marks. He's the he's a big terrain guy. He actually MCs for him and his group, the Phoenix Revolution. I'm sorry to the other guys, I forget their names, but they're you know, wonderful people as well. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Evan. Yeah, they were a very good competition, very good team, and uh, you know, like Miles said, we kept closing that gap. And then every time I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to keep closing, and, you know, we're going to pass them on the next, in two laps, they would pull away. And then we'd close the gap, and then they'd pull away. And then, you know, so it was back and forth. Uh, so it was really, uh, really great that they, they kept pushing us all the way to around hour 20. And then uh, at hour 20, we kind of started slowing down as a team, and they started pulling away. Their lead went from, like, 15 minutes up to 30-ish, and then they kind of stayed 30 to 40 in, before until the end. Until we made the decision, we just want to. We knew we probably weren't going to catch him at that point, but we still wanted to see him suffer, so we kept pushing. <laughs> I don't think they were too happy about that. <laughs> so at the twenty-hour mark, we were three or three laps ahead of the second-place team. I mean, a third-place team. So we essentially had second lockdown. There was no way they could catch us based off their pace, uh, and we knew we weren't going to get catch first because we were slowing down a lot faster than they were slowing down. So we. Uh, you know, it's a 24-hour race, so we could have called it, but we just said uh, we're just going to stay on the course and make them keep running. So I'm sure they were not pleased about it at the time, but uh, in hindsight, you know, I think it's more fun to go for 24 hours. Oh, those guys love the competition. They love it. Yeah, no, it was uh, – so what I did like about the uh, – what I liked about the race is I love that relay format. I've never been – I've never been that attracted to World's Toughest Mudder. Because of the constant 24-hour running, I really like the relay. The relay format was so much more manageable, and it wasn't as painful because you could rehydrate and you could refuel. When you look at races like WTM, they, you know, you have how much time would you say you have in the pit at WTM? Maybe one minute, uh, maybe just a couple minutes, Evan. I mean, it depends on your strategy. I barely go into the pit. Like I said, you walk in grab my stuff, and keep walking. So I'm just, the only time I actually go into the pit for longer than, like, a minute is uh, if I'm changing into a wetsuit or changing out of a wetsuit. 
So Evan and Ryan, you guys have both done World's Toughest. I'm curious, now that you've done both of these, what do you think is more difficult, the constant by yourself 24 hours of World's Toughest or the uh, relay style, but you're kind of pushing harder on each each loop that you do, right, since you do get that rest? Well, personally, I'd say that uh, World's Toughest Mutter is worse. I don't know about you guys, but at like 1 or 2 in the morning when I was laying down, I didn't want to get up, did not want to get up, but you guys were there, and I was like, well, I can't just kind of bail on them. So, you know, I got up every time and was like, all right, let's go. But at World's Toughest Mutter, I feel like that that uh, is a much stronger urge to just kind of stop for a while, stop a little longer, you know, walk a couple more steps. And uh, like you said, it's uh, it's constant. So it's not – you don't got a team to kind of break it up. So, yeah, I'd say World's Toughest Mutter is probably harder for me personally. I mean, I'd say some aspects of World's Toughest are harder, and then other aspects of, ter- of the relay format are harder. So, yeah, I, for me personally, like, I like World's Toughest because I eventually I go at my own pace, and I just I keep going until I basically can't go anymore. So it's definitely more stress on the body. Like, I'm a complete mess after World's Toughest Mudder. Like, I have trouble walking for several days. Um, and terrain, I was fine. Essentially, you know, two days later, I, was, I, I went for a run, um, which I can't do after World's Toughest. But... The hard part about terrain was that stop and go, like you said, Chris. So you're you're constantly having to like amp yourself up and then power down, and then amp yourself up and power. You know, so it's like yeah. Um, so like mentally, I guess mentally, world stuff is still harder. But like, I don't know, I'm not used to the pa- the constant power up and power down. So I I kind of liked world's toughest better because I can just I only have to turn myself on. That sounds weird. I only have to. <laughs> I only have to. <laughs> I only have to like you know, you know, say it's go time essentially once, and then I just keep going. Um, but the, you know, it was fun that it's the kind of the best of both worlds where you're, you get that long endurance because you you have to run so many miles over the course of a day, but then you also have to maintain a hard pace. So like every time I'm going out, you know, like I was I was pushing it, and um, you know I think having you guys there helps me push it because again, uh, like. Uh, Ryan said, I'm not going to let the team down, so I'm, you know, I know there's external peer pressure to perform, and uh, I think that helps, you know, push me to a little higher level. I think essentially it's like 24 hours of intervals. To me, that was like the, you know, because you're pushing every time you go out there. But I agree, having not only our team, but just the people around the other camps. I mean, we had a lot of people, Ryan's dad was helping us out, bringing us supplies. All that helped a lot too. Just have other people there. Yeah, have I think that mental aspect is a big point. None of us want to let down our buddies, right? That's a big deal. No matter how much you're hurting, and I say Ryan probably had it the hardest, man. That strength loop. I tried the strength loop at nighttime, and I was by far the slowest of us on it. It beat me up pretty well. I got I went the wrong way one time. I got lost because I didn't know which way to go in the middle of the night, and. Uh, but, it, you know, I knew, hey, I'm, I felt bad because re- as much as I just want to keep doing this technical loop and keep trying to beat my time, I know Ryan was hurting. I felt bad because he's done it so many times over and over. And you don't want to let your buddies down. So there's that mental aspect of it that I think is really fascinating that you don't 
that that factor is not there, or I should say that variable is not in the equation for the world's toughest mother. The, so, and for me too, um, it was nice to kind of switch it up in the middle of the night because uh, Miles was just destroying the technical loop, and you know Evan was cruising on the speed loop, and Ryan was just a beast, right? But for me, I kind of got bored with the speed loop and was happy to switch up to the strength loop, but it was rough after many times of doing that. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely got bored in the speed loop, too. I was like, I, I wanted to switch, but it uh, again, for our for our team, it made sense the way we were doing it. So, like, I think yeah. if you took this strategy and moved it to a different team, it wouldn't work as well. You know? I think I think it... Uh... I agree. I think it depends on what team and who you have, because I'm pretty sure all three teams, so all top three teams, had a different strategy. So I think it's just based on your team with that. Yeah. And now, before I mention any of the stuff that I I would like to see changed, I want to preface it with, hey, uh, you know, I love Terrain Race. Uh, The owner, Jerry and them, really great. They're open to criticism. You can talk to them. They're very approachable. Um, it's not just a money thing. They really love the sport. The people that work for Terrain are some of the greatest human beings. They're just wonderful people that are really caring, and they recognize you. It's like, oh, man, you know, welcome back. How you doing? Uh, just great people. Uh, so a little constructive criticism, uh, what i like to see in the future is the fact that there's uh, maybe, like you said earlier, Evan, instead of the wooden stick with the timing chip nailed to it, a like a wristwatch, kind of like what CPG does, where it is a timing chip is inside of a Velcro wrist or ankle bracelet you can throw on. I would say for a relay, because you're taking it on and off, the wrist uh, wrist method would probably be best. I like I like to see that. I'd also like to see a separate category for the for a woman's team, because the more I thought about it, you know, that strength was a problem. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm no, I'm no, I'm, I'm not in the right time and the mom about the same time, but that strength would tear me up, and I only did it like one time. It took a, it took a jack dude like Ryan to tear up that every single time, and I don't think it's fair to pit the girls and the guys because of that strength. Like I, I understand the argument we made for technical because of all the technique of how you tackle those obstacles, and then the flat running. I can see the end of the speed loop as well. It's straight. It's a, it was a lot of running with just some simple walls and an air crawl. Uh, but I would also, I'd like to, so I'd like to see that. Separate category for that. I think that'd be more appealing for the women too. So you have all guy, all girl teams. It's just not fair to put like our team up against an all female team with that strength loop. And I'd like to see like an official, I'd like to see medals. For all the podium finishers, maybe special medals. They they did have a special finisher medal for everyone that competed in terrain relay, so that was cool. That was a nice medal, uh, but only first place got got the special podium medal. I'd like to see an actual podium that you could like stand on, that be neat and and prize money. Uh, if you know what I mean, that's controversial. I don't. I don't really care as much about the prize money. It doesn't pay out that much anyways. But it's like free race entry or, you know, something, man. It's just something for, especially when you're, you know, you're busting your butt for 24 hours. 
you're working hard. You like to take away something from um, from it. You know, what's strange about the medals that they gave everyone that participated too was that so the race ended at 2 p.m. on Sunday, and they started lining people up and giving them shirts and medals at 10 a.m. So I just thought that was a little strange. Um, get out of there in a at a decent time, but that was a little strange. Saw a lot of people packing up camp and leaving right after they got that. Yeah, I agree. I think you go, you got to at least make people sit in the pit for another four hours before you start giving out medals. You know, you got to give out medals like at the twenty-three and a half hour mark. Because I mean, how long does it take to, get, to give them out? You know, ten ten, 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah. I'd like to see that. I don't know what other criticisms. Uh, would you guys like to see changed in that? No more double rack bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was awkward, man. You're right, it wasn't heavy. It's just 225 pound rec bags, but yeah, I'm glad you guys were trying to rest and you didn't see me running with those things because I had them fall down on me a couple times and I just, I ended up just hugging them because I couldn't balance them because of how long they are on my shoulders. I tried everything to stack them and just couldn't get them to, and then, you know, you're trying to move at the same time. So I just ended up hugging them, but that was. And that sandbag carry, there was a ton of those bags were torn, so there's sand everywhere, and just going up and down those bleachers was boring. I think at one point I was using like a farmer carry technique for those wrecked bags because it was just weird carrying them on my shoulders. But also, overall, I think I was pretty shocked at how well the event went for it being Terrain's first one and 24 hours plus of you know, managing the course and managing the campsites. I thought it was pretty amazing. I was shocked because I didn't know what to expect, and I was a little worried, to be honest. Yeah, so, I uh, I agree. I know on previously me and Miles, had, I think I had expressed that. I don't know if Miles did, but, you know, the race entry was super cheap. It was like 40 bucks. Um, so we weren't, ex- we weren't expecting prize money. Uh, they didn't announce prize money ahead of time, so, again, that wasn't an issue. Um, my, again, I... Up until, like, hour 23, 59 minutes, I was like, this was a great race. I had such a great time. And then, like, they go to give out the podium awards, and they just give they give first-place medals. And I hear Miles go, like, oh, is uh, second place and third get medals, too? And they're like, nope. And I was like, mother, you know. <laughs> so, like, again, you know, I've been up for 30 hours at that point. So, like, I'm not really thinking that clearly. Um so I just felt I just felt very upset with that ending, um, and all all I wanted was just something special, you know, uh, to recognize all the hard work, you know, our team had done. Um, so could have left a little sour taste in my mouth. So I guess I'll get over it eventually. Uh, but yeah, that's my only complaint. Otherwise, I mean, I thought the the event overall just went really smoothly, like Chris said. The format, if you were at OCRWC, the team event, I mean, it was very similar to that. Um, so I thought they I thought they did a very good job with that. It was cool. I was just saying it would be interesting to see how they iterate on it going forward. And that it was a beta, but they're definitely going to do it again. And I'm sure they'll only improve on it. But like you guys said, it flowed really well throughout the night. Besides the DJ playing that horrible music, and while we're trying to rest, <laughs> in the middle of the night, sometimes you know you're getting back to your tent. And I and I have a hard time falling asleep as it is. I just so desperately wanted 20 minutes. And I would lay down and hear Cotton Eye Joe blaring or, you know, Big and Rich 
just the most annoying music. <laughs> they meant well. They played some good music, too. I shouldn't say that, but that music was driving me up a wall, and I never slept. Not once. So, uh, kind of running down the line, let's run down with uh, Miles, Ryan, and then Chris. If you could change one or two things you did uh, as part of your training and preparation for this, uh, kind of what would you what would you adjust now that you know what you know after doing the event? So start with Ryan. I mean, uh, Miles. Start with Miles. Um, I tell you what, I would start uh, having a day. I always I already have a strength day, but I would definitely have a day that's more like that strength loop. So I could have took more off Ryan's shoulders. Uh, I felt bad putting all that on him, but he was the fastest on that loop. And he absolutely killed it. Amazing, man. That guy is he, he's, he's strong and he's got great running form, good technique. And I, I was by far the slowest at, at a, uh, for our team on that loop. And I would have liked to carry the weight there a little more. And I, I did the technical loop. Was the, it had the funnest obstacles, for sure. Sorry guys, I have I think I have the most fun. I like that technical loop more and more. That's what that's already what I love. But uh, I would like to focus more on that strength next time. Gotcha, Ryan. What do you got? What would you change in preparation for this? I would have brought shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> He's here. I think you're serious too. Like yep, yep. No, um, but I probably would have you know just grabbed some heavier things. And done more running. That's pretty much it. Cause I, unfortunately, I just got back from a ankle injury, spraining my ankle about three weeks prior. So if I, that's why I couldn't uh, help with the speed lap. So I probably would have tried to run a little more right before that. Maybe helped a little on that speed lap. Cause I know you guys were hurting by the end. Yeah, definitely. Chris, what do you got? What would you change in your training? Honestly, man, I felt pretty amazing all the way up until hour 20. Like, I felt prepared. I was shocked myself by being able to do the strength loop as much as I did. Um, you know, because, like, compared to Ryan, you look at Ryan, you're like, okay, yeah, he's our strength guy. You look at me, you're like, nah, there's no way. So I was, <laughs> I was pretty surprised I was able to get through that. And then, uh, yeah, all the way up until hour 20. My legs just kind of gave up. But uh, the only other thing, maybe maybe more running at night, because once, once the sun went down, I think I spent more time than I needed to trying not to fall rather than, uh, you know, trying to stay fast and, and get through the loop. Right on. Yeah. It, it, one more thing that's interesting about that relay format, too, is that you really need everyone firing on all cylinders. I felt bad because I was – I really started lighting up, and I was doing fantastic in the middle of the night. I was getting faster and faster. But after that strength loop, I started getting slower back on my second lap. Not by much or by a little. But meanwhile, Evan was still running negative splits. He was getting faster, and he was gaining time for us. But if, say for myself, if I was taking one minute extra or, or around 45 seconds slower than I usually was on those laps, like the momentum he's gaining, I'm I'm using for me, and I felt like I didn't need to do that. I was just running, I was trying to run as fast as I could, but it hurts the team. So I would like to, 
I would definitely try to learn how to uh, to maybe bite down and grit a little harder and really pick up the be more cognizant more cognizant of my speed of I was running without looking at my watch, so I could maintain that those negative splits through the entire time. I think I think you're being a little hard on yourself there. But, I think uh, so too, man. I, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a team effort. Everyone was putting out you know, what they had to offer, so uh, definitely no hard feelings. Also, I had never met, I had never, uh, you know, met you, Evan, in person. I've only met Miles once. You know, like, the four of us, we don't really know each other, have run with each other all that much at all. And I think we had one, uh, you know, video chat before this, and then one night before the race to kind of, you know, like, get together and plan and strategize. So to, to do what we did kind of on the fly, I think, is impressive as well. Yeah, for sure. That was a good time, man. The question is, I guess we'll just see in time whether or not we do it again, right? Will they Will they see team strength and speed again? That's the question. <laughs> Depends. Are they going to give medals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on the same, or we could go back and get a free race entry if we just uh, did the Instagram contest. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Evan made the joke afterwards that hey, maybe maybe my my priorities were misfocused. I just just concentrated on Instagram. At least I would have came away with a prize. <laughs> yeah, I was a little grumpy after uh, after that afterwards. But I think I think uh, uh, the A team was also a little grumpy. So yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was it was a good race though, man. I enjoyed it. That was fantastic, and thanks thanks to you guys for you know putting up with me and being on, being on the same team. That was uh, you guys were great teammates, and like Chris said, we you know having that camaraderie, that friendship, and the great teamwork that we did uh, makes a huge difference. Because there were people that were like arguing with each other, and that's gonna that's only innate to the human disposition, right? <laughs> being stuck in a, a tent with four people for 24 hours, some people are going to argue, right? Yeah, if anything, I I had a great time, man, to be honest. That's that's what I came away with more than anything. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah, I was I was very glad I flew out for the race. Yeah, I I was kind of I flew in Friday night at like I landed at like 9 p.m. Was you know woke up the next morning, raced for 24 hours, and then pretty much got back on a plane. So I think I I ended up I was actually racing for longer than I was like in Phoenix, not at the airport. I think it was like 24 hours versus like 23 or something when I added up the actual split there. And then of course I got my uh, in preparation for World's Toughest Mudder, I got my cheat meal there uh, in an out burger. So I, I did that for my post post race meal. And then fell to nauseous afterwards because I ate too much. <laughs> All you had was like two burgers. It wasn't that much. I didn't even finish the second burger. I, I ordered it because I thought I wanted it, and then I ate like half it, and I was like, that was that was a bad idea. I didn't have my cheat until like two days later. I had Chick-fil-A. There, there's my... I'm confessing right now, everyone. I did it. I had a number 512 count with a large sweet tea. It was fantastic. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Ryan, Chris, did you guys get anything good after the race? You treat yourself or no? I uh, I got Panda Express. There's a bad one for you. <laughs> yeah, I was uh actually while Miles and Evan were 
laughing it up and getting their cheat meal. I was waiting for them to bring me my burger. So, <laughs> but yeah, I got that. I got in and out too. But overall, it was great, man. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how many more people show up. Like there was a, there was a good amount of there was like 45 teams between 40 and 45 teams. I'll be interested to see just from the the business perspective. Because right now, this is the only relay format other than OCR World Championships that I'm aware of currently. Uh, let's see, you know, this uh, helps expand their business. I believe they're bringing it to Houston next. Which I imagine it would be next year because they already did a race in Houston uh, about a month and a half back. Actually, I believe uh, Shell Hill in uh, Vermont does a relay, endurance relay race, and so does uh, True Grit in Australia. So I believe there's two other ones. I'm not sure the exact four. It's it's definitely not this format with like the three separate loops equaling a lap. It's just like a normal, straight up. You just do one lap of the course and then you can change out. Um, so this is definitely unique in their style, but uh, not the only ultra endurance relay. Yeah, I think this is more manageable. And you know what's also that goes alongside of it being more manageable is it's less chances for injury. You know what I mean? I think you can have a lot higher rate of injury when it comes to WTM. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, I think we uh, we kind of ran our mouths for long enough. Um, before we take off, let's kind of run down the list, and uh, if any of you guys want to give a shout-out to anyone, uh, make sure uh, either people or companies will kind of go through that list. So, uh, Miles, anyone you want to give a shout-out to before we take off? Yeah, man, Link Endurance. Guys, check out our podcast, the Link Endurance Podcast. Right now we're interviewing uh, pro athletes from all around the world. We're doing Carl Carlson, uh, excuse me, Karen Carlson from Sweden tomorrow. And it's really fascinating to kind of learn about what OCR scene is all around the world and not just in our bubble. Uh, some really fascinating things that you can learn from that. And then, uh, of course, Oscar Warriors. North Texas, the best ninja gym around is Oscar Warriors. Come, we do OCR classes there and... Uh, we have a blast. People love it. So, yeah, thank you. That's about it. And by the time this is released, uh, that tomorrow will probably be like a week and a half ago. Um, so just a heads up on that. So you may have to scroll back a couple episodes for Link Endurance. Ryan, anyone you want to give a shout-out to? Yeah, Phoenix Evolution. Uh, I train with them all the time, and uh, they did awesome. You know, we kind of chase. Uh, the A-team a lot, but we're also being chased by Phoenix Evolution, so I think they pushed our pace quite a bit, too. Yeah, you got a couple of those guys, Ryan, besides uh, Ivy and Lachey Mark. What are, uh, what are what were the other guys' names on his team, do you know? Uh, I think it was Lachey Marks, and there was Bobby, John, and Jesse. I don't know all of their last names, I'm sorry. Were they hurt that you, uh, you train with them, and then you switch teams for the race? Do you I don't know. Feelings there? I mean, it, it, uh, I think when they first announced the terrain uh, relay, everyone just kind of hopped on a team as fast as they could and made teams. So, I mean, I was on your team, and they asked, and I was like, um, sorry. I don't think they were too hurt. They got third, so. Chris, what do you got? Uh, I just want to shout out Yancey Camp. And uh, specifically Miguel Medina for kind of prepping me for these long endurance events. And then also uh, Until Life Makes Sense, which is a pretty sweet 
clothing brand, pretty new, great message, uh, untillifemakesense.com. That's it. Cool. And uh, for companies, I'm going to give a shout-out to Dry Rope because that was my favorite thing uh, at Terrain Race because every lap I'd finish and I'd start cooling down, I'd throw that bad boy on, and it would keep me warm. And then right before I started running, I would literally drop it on the ground, and Samantha would pick it up. Those were the real winners. Yeah, so uh, dry robe, definitely uh, check them out if you're if you want to stay warm between laps for a relay, or you know you just want to stay warm and look a little ridiculous while at uh, at some races. And then also my wife for letting me uh, fly out uh, to a race for the weekend and then come back real quick. So appreciate all the yeah. I'd like to shout out my wife Samantha as well. Samantha was awesome at the event. So uh, I know we said it once before, but can't emphasize um, how important it is to be, you know, it's it's not always easy to be a pit, a pit crew member because you got to be very uh, submissive, essentially. You know, so when it's like, hey, can you get my headlamp, which is five feet away, they have to be like, yeah, no problem, even though they're tired, too. Um, so uh, she did awesome and was super supportive and was making us sandwiches and making sure we were eating and making sure we weren't missing handoffs and stuff. So um, she did awesome. Definitely thanks, Samantha. All right, uh, that's it for the uh, Strength and Speed podcast. Uh, guys, say goodbye. See ya. Thank you. Yep. Keep grinding. And we'll see you all next week.